Welcome to the Goals Podcast, the business case for women's sports, where we explore every corner of the women's sports industry from the field to the front office. I'm Caroline Fitzgerald, and I'm here to prove that it's good business to be in the business of women's sports. Today's episode is brought to you by Ally, a change maker in women's sports, steadfast in their commitment to the fight for media equity, because we're all better off with an ally. Our guest today is Marina Paul, the founder of the women's sports apparel company, Superhero. Welcome to the show, Marina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love this show. Marina, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to hear more about all of the amazing things that you're doing for women in sports. I know you've had such an incredible journey through sport, professionally, through life. So I'd love to start today by rewinding and hearing about your whole path, your whole journey that's ultimately led you to starting Superhero. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say like I popped out of the womb as an athlete. I was always playing. I grew up in Southern California. So like this area was my playground. Uh, my parents always threw me in every single sport. So sports and school were like pretty much the two things that I knew and that I loved. I knew I was going to play college sports. It was always something that was kind of my dream, but I didn't really have a dream after that. So I went to soccer and volleyball are my sports. I ended up going to Georgetown University to play on the women's soccer team. My first year was in 2012. That all sounds like a dream scenario, but it was probably anything from that. I think like any freshman, you go in working really hard. You want to play as much as you can. I got to do all those things. But at the same time, I started battling pretty severe depression. And by the end of my freshman season, my coach had brought me in and said, something is so going so wrong that we are going to probably need to take away your scholarship and send you to rehab. I had been battling anorexia and bulimia. Um, It was my form of control and my form of trying to project sort of this perfect image that everything was okay. And I felt so restricted inside. At the same time, I had gone through a growth spurt from sophomore year of high school to my freshman year of college. I'd grown about seven inches. And so my body just completely changed. I had finally hit puberty a lot later than others. And my sports apparel was completely restrictive for my body. At Georgetown, we had to wear men's uniforms, very, very, very similar cuts. We would always like readjust and literally reshape, cut out the liners um, just to feel okay. And we, it still didn't make me feel confident. If anything, it reinforced the, the restriction I was feeling inside. So my freshman year happened. I told my coach, I think like most female athletes, like, no, 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 no. I got this. I'm going to figure it out. Like, I don't give up. I bubble blah. All these, all these things that female athletes tell ourselves, right? So I, I climbed my way out and I didn't get any sort of mental health help or any sort of medical help for that matter. I just stayed afloat and I stayed alive because of my teammates, my sisterhood. I could not give up on them. And I ended up having a pretty, a pretty great career, but at the same time, like on paper, but at the same time, I was still battling depression and I, I was, I had closeted depression. So nobody really knew what I was going through. And it was, it was really hard for me to admit that anything wasn't perfect. I had multiple conversations with myself that said, 
you know what? We don't tell anybody about this. Nobody knows what you went through. Nobody knows you're struggling with this. Like perfect face on to everyone all the time. And then came a pivotal part of my career. My junior year, the end of my junior year in our Big East Championship, I tore my ACL. You see a lot of people do it growing up, but until you actually do it yourself, you don't know how humbling it is to like relearn how to walk again, do these these fundamental things that you've never had to think about since you were like two years old. I tried to come back early my senior year. I tore my ACL having played four games. If I would have played five games, then I would have been ineligible to redshirt, which was just like the greatest blessing I could have ever received. So I think during those periods, I really had to think through like, what am I going to do in life when, when I don't have sports? Like, who am I beyond the pitch? But I couldn't quite conceive that yet. So I came back for my fifth year and I wasn't playing. My coach was like, you are not ready to play. You're not mentally there. You're not physically in the right shape. And that was extremely hard. And I didn't take it well. It was probably the worst version of myself I've ever been. And I think that third year of being a captain of this team, it's like, what do you, how do you lead people when everything you're going through is so horrible and you feel like you can't get out of it? I had this coach, Lindsay Hokinson, who's now the head coach at Colgate. She's one of the youngest head coaches ever named. She had said, Marina, like you can be a miserable tyrant for the rest of your career and, you know, and end on a really sour note, or you can probably never play again, potentially, but choose to lead this team to something special. Use your unique talents and skills that you have beyond sports to lead this team to great things. And I chose the latter. And that was the first taste of what I call superhero leadership that I'd ever experienced. And so we did that and I ended up playing and we ended up going to the final four and I was an all American. And I, I only say that to say that I knew that this superhero leadership style worked and that when you use your unique superpowers and talents to elevate yourself in the lives of others, it truly leads to unbelievable things. We were an unranked team at the beginning of the season and we'd gone further with less resources than any other team in that final four. So that was the start really of what led into my next chapter. I graduated Georgetown. I didn't want to pursue a professional career. I think mentally, I knew that I really had to work through my trauma without using sports as a crutch. So I started on my book, which is called Becoming a Superhero, but it's really that. It's it's I interviewed all these unbelievably successful women, a lot of successful women in sports, gold medalists like Jordan Weber, Pac-12, Hall of Fame coaches like Miss Valerie Condos Field, general counsels of $72 billion companies. And I asked them what makes a superhero and what makes you a superhero. And it wasn't, you know, I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and drink green juice. It was, it was literally how they use their unique skills to lead others. And I took that and I wrote this book using my own life experiences to connect with them to say, how does a 24, 25 year old harness their own power to, to learn how to become a superhero someday and elevate others. And then that led into superhero, which is now I, I did superhero shortened because I wanted to like make it look cool, but it, it's a company. It's a sportswear company that is designed for female athletes built by, from the feedback of hundreds of female athletes in their sport. 
And our whole mission is to give female athletes the freedom to perform, take away all the restriction they have in their clothing and build this brand, this community and this sports apparel that makes them play with freedom. Wow. That is such a journey. What you're building is so special and it's rooted in obviously so much personal experience and so much passion to create a better sports world for all of the women in it. I would love to hear more about that process, that journey of you going from, I wrote this book, I have these ideas to ultimately starting a company because there, there's a lot that happens typically between mm -hmm. like idea to inception. So I'd love to hear more about that process, what it looks like for you. Of course, going back to the book, I, I was never a person that was like, I'm going to write a book. It's on my bucket list. I'm just someone who I need to put things out and like work through things physically and mentally and emotionally at the same time. And the book happened to be the best format for me to do that, to get through, move through my trauma and figure out who I wanted to be. I think since I was little, I've always loved this combination of like sports and fashion. I was, I mean, we all play dress up, but I think I took it to like a whole nother level. Um, and so I had always said that even on airplanes, I was always drawing different silhouettes that I really loved. I just never thought that at some point I would be the one designing them. I always thought that I would work for a fashion company potentially down the line. So that was always in the back of my head. The, the fashion piece of this is not random. However, I knew I was had finished college and I had gotten to this phase where I was trying to figure out what styles of clothing and things that I like to wear and nothing felt truly authentic to me as a female athlete. I think the stuff that I was still wearing, the clothes that I was still wearing was very much still rooted in restriction and, and sexualization of women's bodies. And I just didn't feel right. And I think working through everything I'd been through in, in my book, I realized that I, what I really wanted to do is create something with my hands. And so I, I kind of pieced together all these things that I loved. And I literally wrote down a list of like 10 things I love to do. And a lot of them was like create, build things with my hands, fashion, sports. So I kind of blended those together. And I said that I still don't think that there is a solution to female athletes problems. So I actually started interviewing as many female athletes as I could. I took old conversations from college that I had in the locker room about what didn't fit, what didn't work. And I scrapped all of this together. So I said, I'm going to start rebuilding or building net new women's sportswear that's just designed for their bodies and based off of their individual feedback, which sounds like hasn't that been done before, but as this podcast proves, the world doesn't listen to women. So it has not been done before in the way that we're doing it. It's not, it wasn't formulaic at all. I was working a full-time job in management consulting, but I, I was just building what I thought I wanted to create and what I wanted to have and solving a problem for myself. <laughs> so it was by no means like very well thought out. I just kind of kept push, putting it together. I love that. And I want to stick with something you just said about how this is something that hasn't been done before, because it is kind of wild to consider that women make up half the population. And yet there hasn't been performance apparel 
created specifically designed for the -hmm. female body for women athletes. So why do you think that the performance apparel space has historically been so exclusionary of women athletes? I don't think that women, female athletes are taken seriously in sports. We see it in the lack of media attention. We see it in just the lack of resources genuinely for female athletes. I have so many friends who play in the NWSL and they all have two or three jobs on top of it. Um, I, I think there's so many fashion and athleisure options for women because that is what, uh, I guess, the world says that women do. And But I, I keep saying like women's sports aren't leisure and we cannot treat how they play in a different light than we treat how men play. Like the performance aspect and actually what we're requiring of our bodies is so tremendous given our hormonal cycles and just the anatomy and physiology of a female body. And I just think that it's the fact that female athletes aren't taken seriously. We'll settle for men's stuff and we're told not to complain about it. So I don't think that the the problem is really brought to the surface because women traditionally don't complain much. We accept what we're given and we're told to be grateful truthfully that's like that's when I've asked all these athletes that is what they said it's like we get gear we they say be grateful you know but we're professional athletes so how does that (laughs) how does that fare it's not fair and I know you are really focused on the performance piece like you are looking to build apparel that is for tough athletes going into competition so can you talk more about your product mix and your fabric and what you're physically building on behalf of women athletes. Totally. And this is the part that I love about building superhero. So we started with two shorts. We started with a uh, underneath type of slider that you'd wear in soccer and then a top looser short, like soccer short. Those are my biggest issues. I had the most feedback on that. I spent a year and a half developing that and then piloting it and getting all this feedback from athletes, you know, from all walks of life. So the precision is unbelievably important because if you are on the field and your performance gear is not enhancing your performance or it is not enhancing your health, it is restricting you. And we can't have that. It needs to actually aid you in what you're doing. So we take every single detail into account. We test on so many different body types. And then we also are testing when athletes are actually in the field going through all the stress. Someone had told me that, you know, competitors do $100 million in R&D testing and all this stuff. But I said, but none of them are testing at preseason in 100 degree weather with 95% humidity when you're on a different part of your cycle, when the stress is unbelievable, when you're getting bitten by bugs, like in the field testing is so critical to me because everybody, every woman's body is so different and just fluctuates so much throughout the day. So precision in every single detail, we get feedback on everything. Um, and then I, we just launched October 2nd are basically kind of like a super suit. So we have a practice t-shirt we have the top shorts. They're wavy, stretchy shorts. Then we have a wrap compression short underneath that you can wear on your own. And then we also launched a basketball uniform. So it's a basketball tank top, tank jersey, and then basketball stretchy shorts. How we make that 
because clearly I was not a basketball player, was I had San Diego State, Georgetown women's basketball, and William & Mary women's basketball, and some of the WNBA coaches that coached those teams all test those for like weeks in practice, in the lifting room, and all of those things. Because I said, you need to rip these apart and tell me every single little detail that you want and what you don't like and all these things. So that's how we, that's how we go about building things. And then the second piece is fabric is unbelievably important to me. So if it doesn't fit right and it doesn't feel good, you're not going to feel good. We've started out with a traditional performance fabric, but about March 2023, our team came across this incredible material. It's called graphene. It's a property from graphite. And it's traditionally used uh, with dialysis patients. It's used in bulletproof vests. It's used in airplanes. So it's extremely dynamic material, but it's all really healthy for, for humans. And it has unbelievable qualities. We found a way to weave it into fabric so that we can wear it on our skin. And it's what I'm wearing right now. But it's it's pretty wild because it has the qualities that are what I say are fit for a superhero. And now we are producing that in downtown LA where all of our fabric and all of our products are made. And the qualities are it aids recovery. So it has the same effects as an infrared sauna, especially if it's compressive. So it emits the IRC, helps increase your blood flow, which helps, you know, detoxify your body faster. So while you're playing or while you're traveling on an airplane, it's bug repellent. So all my humic limits, it's really helpful. Um, it's antibacterial, which also makes it anti-odor. And none of this stuff washes out. It's just a property of the fabric or the material of graphene. And it's thermal conductive. So you're not going to overheat. I was out in the sun yesterday. It was 80 degrees. And I left my shirt out there in a separate section. And I just felt it. And it was just still cool. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty insane. We show a lot that people like, we'll go for a run and jump in the ocean. That's kind of like our thing. Like go do anything in your superhero. It drives so fast that it, it just makes sense. And so that's that's what female athletes are. It's like you can't wear something that you're going to worry about any of the fabric killing so you don't actually go do what you need to go do and go live with freedom. And that's how we how we build it. Well, that's amazing. You are really doing some incredible innovating on behalf of women athletes. So what's your vision? How do you continue to innovate over the next one, three, five years? Yeah, totally. This first year, I am such a believer in mastering the fundamentals, just, just like in sports, right? It's, it's kind of like breaking down, you know, the key moments of the season where you really want to master what you're good at and then grow as quickly as possible and try new things and, um, and iterate and, and, um, and all of those things. I think right now the first year is we're mastering the fabric. We're mastering the fit on everything. We're really, really getting our story out there for the first year. And then I think my dream is to be on all of the 45 college campuses that we have the license to be on. That is my full dream. And I also want to have close to a hundred athletes in our what we call superhero athletics, which is our community with college and professional athletes. And then by year five, hopefully open what we're calling a superhero clubhouse, where it is an actual physical center that superheroes from all over the US and even internationally can come. And it's going to be our headquarters where we bring our community in person. Um, that's that's my big dream for, the, for that time. But 
I think every day we think about if we just give one more female athlete the freedom to perform and make her feel unbelievable in her own skin, we're doing our job. I love that. Marina, believe it or not, we're coming close to the end of our conversation. I just have one more question for you before we take a break and then go to our closing questions. What advice would you give to a female founder who is thinking about innovating like you have and starting their own business? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing you have to learn is how to trust yourself. Every single little moment that I have and every dark moment, know that I will be fine. And it also helps me stay so focused and narrow on my own vision that I can weed out things that aren't going to be helpful or bring in things that are. But I think that if you don't trust yourself in life, then it's just not going to be enjoyable and you're not going to build the thing that I don't even, I don't believe in necessarily fate, but you're not going to build the thing that just lights you up inside and truly expresses what I think is your superheroism. So just figure out a way to trust yourself, understand what your gut is telling you and learn how to truly, truly listen to it. I love that advice. Okay. We're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our partner, and then we'll be back to close out our conversation. As you may know, the goal of this podcast is to show brands, networks, and people in general that it's good business to invest in women's sports. We know that women in sports are incredible and are breaking boundaries and setting records. But did you know they receive less than 10% of all sports media coverage? It's a vicious cycle. The lack of media coverage means fans miss out while networks and sponsors can't see the fan base and don't invest in the media. Now, more than ever, it's time for brands to jump in. That's why our sponsor, Ally, is making big moves to put an end to the cycle and give women's sports the coverage they deserve. This year, Ally is continuing to invest in access for women's sports through sponsorships with ESPN, CBS, and women-owned outlets giving fans more opportunities to watch what they want, where they want. So tune in and be part of the change. To learn more, check out watchtochange.com because we're all better off with an Ally. All right, we're back. And I just have a couple final questions for you as we wrap up our conversation today. It's been so wonderful learning more about you and everything you're building with Superhero. So question number one, if you could wave a magic wand and create equity in one aspect of sports right now, what would it be? I so badly want to say sports apparel because that's what I, that's what I specialize in, but it has to be visibility at the top. You have to see it to believe it. When little girls dream about what they want to be when they grow up, for me, it was Abby Wambach, the Mia Hams, the Brianna Scurries. You have to, there has to be visibility to these players. And I think that coverage is the most important thing. You have to know that it's possible to do that. I know it's possible to do what I'm doing because Sarah Blakely did it and I can see her doing it and she's sharing her story and she bootstrapped it and she found a way and she was creative. I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have these people to look up to. So visibility and is unbelievably important. So visibility at the top, coverage, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we get to our final question, is there anything that you want to plug or share with our listeners? I, of course, want to plug our community, our superhero athletics. I think it's so special. We are taking what NIL is offering us and building an athletics program. It is a really, really, really tight-knit group of collegiate and professional athletes who gets 
firsthand access to everything we're building. You get a say in, in everything that we're doing. And it's just like this really fun female athlete community that we all miss after we leave sports or we don't have a team anymore. And it's so cool to see the Stanford beach volleyball player cheering on the rower at Georgetown or, you know, something like that. It's like across the country that, and you have otherwise wouldn't know each other. Um, I have to plug that athletics. And if you want to, if you want to be involved in it, please reach out on our Instagram. It's just at superhero underscore. It's so much fun. And we, we love to welcome new people in. That's great. And we'll make sure we link to your website and to your Instagram in the show notes so everyone can really easily connect and follow along. All right. Last question for you. Can you summarize in a few sentences why you think it's good business to invest in women's sports? I've been waiting for this question. The best business advisors I've ever had, including undergrad business school and out in the world that I've met, they say, look for three things. Is there a problem and do you have a solution to it? Is there a niche audience that really wants the solution to that problem? And is it scalable or is it just an invention that's not going to scale? We should absolutely approach investing in women's sports in the same way. The problem is that there is not enough resources for female athletes. There's so many female athletes out here and there's so much opportunity to, to invite more female athletes in. The audience is female athletes and fans of female athletes. It's very niche. It's specific of all ages. And then the environment is really like this sports ecosystem that's created. I think what's so fascinating, if you look at it, just investing in like women's sports playing it's opening up this ecosystem of we need women's sportswear. We need better healthcare. We need better recovery. There are so many different avenues and opportunities of investment that women's sports itself opens up. And if you become part of investing in women's sports, you now are tapped into all those different avenues that are opened up because of women's sports. And then the last thing is that women's sports is a microcosm for how women should be treated everywhere. So when with the U.S. Women's National Team wins equal pay, how many more women win because of that? How many more? There's It sets a precedent for women everywhere. And because of that, if you become an investor in women's sports, you not only have access now to what the women's sports world offers you and, and the growth potential that it has, you also have access to affecting the lives of all women. To me, my best business advisor just would say like, that is an incredible investment decision. Yeah, it is. It's simply good business to invest in women's sports. That's the name of the game here on the podcast. I love that answer. Marina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for everything that you're doing to innovate on behalf of women athletes. I can't wait to see everything that you do with Superhero and Beyond. And it's just such a pleasure to know you. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Goals Podcast, the business case for women's sports presented by Ally, a change maker in women's sports steadfast in their commitment to the fight for media equity because we're all better off with an ally. 
To learn more about goals and our work to bring more brand investment into women's sports, be sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, or visit our website at goals-sports.com. And remember, it's simply good business to be in the business of women's sports.